Thank you, team, so much for leading us this morning. And it is so good to see everybody. Uh, what a blessing, what a gift to be able to be here and to start. Um, just so grateful, God, for my, the, the start of my 42nd year of life to start with uh, the faith family here. And uh, I'm just so grateful that as we gathered for worship and the opportunity to celebrate Claire's baptism and, and just see that, that picture of the gospel. And what better way to celebrate, to gather and worship through song and through his word. So it is so good to be here. I'm so excited. And uh, I, I know y'all all know this already, um, but, but it has been a privilege to be able to begin time in the office this week and really begin to, to share life with this incredible staff team. And I know you know this, and I know that you love them, but I want you to know they love you. They love you so much, and they have been so faithful, uh, and they have led so well from the preaching uh, to becoming innovative and, and reaching people outside of the kind of inside-the-box ways and just shepherding and loving uh, and caring. And, and I just want to take a moment as a church uh, just for our staff team and for their spouses, for their children, uh, I just want to say thank you for shepherding and leading and loving so well. And so I know y'all love them. So just for one moment in the room and even online, if you're in your living room right now, can we just show our love to this staff team for all that they have done? We love you. So thankful for every Every single person and the leadership and the people pouring in. And it's one thing to lead in transition. And it's another thing to leave in transition in a pandemic. There's just so much going on. Uh, but wow, what a, what a blessing. What a blessing. And, and uh, uh, my lovely bride, my kiddos, they're not with us this morning. Uh, and so I want to say good morning to them. They're watching from Florida. Uh, we had to finish up some house stuff down there. Uh, but Lord willing, we're closing on our home here Wednesday. I'll get on a plane and fly down there on Thursday. And then we will hop in that minivan and drive uh, one more time up here. Uh, and I was telling our safety team earlier, I said... I know every loves truck stop between here and Orlando, like on a first name basis. Uh, and so we're excited to, to, to be here uh, and to serve uh, and to make Jesus known in this place. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 13 uh, this morning, John chapter 13. And we're going to be walking through just a few verses, verses 31 through 35. And we're walking through a series, a three-week series that we're simply calling Known. Known. This theme of known. And for better or for worse, whenever our name is mentioned, whenever our name is said, an idea, a thought comes to mind. And it's how we're known. That in this community, when First Baptist Olive Branch is mentioned, there is there is an a, there is an idea, there is a there is a, a story, there's a there's an impact that our church is known for. And what I would like to walk us through this morning is, is, is a, the truest, most defining mark of a believer's life. And that my hope, my prayer is that our church would be known as a loving church. That, that, that 
for our church to be known as a loving church, that means that inside as we gather that we love each other well. And then not only that, but if we're going to love each other well, that means as we meet with the Lord and we we saturate our lives with His Word and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts that He would continue to transform us into a loving people. But not just love, a sacrificial love. That, that sacrificial love is the truest, most defining mark of a believer's life. And that by God's grace, as we walk together and as we grow together and as we serve together, that, that we would be known by the love that we have. I have several specific things that I pray over for our church. But on the top of the list is that by God's grace, we would be a loving church. A loving church. Because love is loudest in sacrifice. I want us to walk through that a little bit. Now, John 13, where we're going to be opening the word, uh, this, this takes place in what is known as the Passion Week of Christ. So this is, this is the week, the days leading up to Christ's crucifixion on a cross to pay the penalty for my sin, for your sin, for the sins of the world. And it happens to be on a Thursday night. And on this Thursday night, I don't know what y'all were doing this past Thursday, but this Thursday night in Scripture that we're looking at was like a Thursday night like none other in the history of the world. That on this Thursday night, Jesus had gathered with His disciples in an upper room. And He had gathered there in Jerusalem because they were going to celebrate Passover. And so here's Christ with this intimate gathering of twelve, these disciples who He's poured His life into the past three years. And it's here that He institutes the Lord's Supper. And that I'm thinking when we open this passage and we'll read in a moment, I'm thinking the disciples in the upper room on that Thursday night, I'm thinking they're still trying to pick their jaws up off the ground because of what just happened. Because what had just happened was as they finished supper, Jesus Christ, the son of God, got up from the table. He put a towel around his waist. He took a basin of water and he sit and he washed every single disciple's feet. And then not only that, but just a few moments later, Jesus dips the morsel of bread and he gives it to Judas. Judas, don't miss this, sitting in the place of honor. The one that was going to betray Christ, washed his feet, sitting in the seat of honor, hands the morsel to him and he says this, what you're going to do, do it quickly. Jesus in his perfect omniscience, his perfect knowledge, he knows what the next hours are to come. That, that the betrayal of Judas sets in motion a culmination of events that is going to end with the crucifixion of Christ. That in just a few short hours from where we're reading right now, they are going to be in a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. It means the place of crushing. And that this would be the place where Judas would lead an angry mob and they would arrest Christ and begin trial after trial after trial and ultimately he would be crucified for the sins of the world. And it is in light of that, that Jesus, giving Judas the morsel of bread, he goes out and Jesus is still intentionally pouring into his disciples' life. He knows exactly what is to come. He's God. And yet, in light of what's about to happen, he takes some time here in that upper room and he begins to teach them. And what he teaches them, we cannot miss. And the, the teaching is this. He's going to teach them a new command. He's going to teach them a new lesson. 
And evidently, it took them about three to three and a half years to be ready for the lesson that they were about to get. And that was that their truest mark would be their sacrificial love for one another. In chapter 13, verse 31, the Bible says this. It says, when he had gone out, who? Judas. When Judas had gone out, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. One truth, first truth I want us to see together this morning is that God is glorified in his sacrificial love on the cross. See, Jesus had been preparing them for this moment. He had been preparing. They're in Jerusalem. They're there celebrating Passover. They had probably done that a few times before. But this time's different. But just not long ago, while they were in the northern region in Galilee, at a place called Caesarea Philippi, Matthew's gospel teaches us, Matthew 16, 21, it says that from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. That was in Caesarea Philippi. And then just a short time after that, he's on what's known as the Mount of Transfiguration. And listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 17, 21. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and he must suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised again. And now Jesus says, now, now the Son of Man will be glorified. How is the cross glorious? Listen to what D.A. Carson said. He says, the supreme moment of divine disclosure, the greatest moment of display glory was in the shame of the cross. That there is no place we can look to better understand who God is than the cross. That there is no place that we can look and more clearly recognize that He is worthy of all honor and glory and than the cross. That the cross is the highest moment of God's revelation to mankind. That in the cross we learn more about God's excellence than in any other moment in history. That in the death of Jesus, we see God's holiness and his love. That we see his righteousness and his mercy. That we see his justice and we see his grace. That we see his sovereignty and we see his humility. We see his wisdom and we see his patience. And if we want to understand God, we must study the cross. And if we want to be transformed into the image of Christ, we must study the cross. A crossless Christianity is a godless Christianity. Only through Jesus Christ, His suffering sacrifice, can God be known. The cross is the place that fuels our worship. And in that upper room, Jesus is gathered with His twelve. The betrayal is set in motion, and He says this, now the Son of Man is going to be glorified, and God glorified in Him. You say, how is this glorious? It's glorious because it was at the cross that Christ satisfied the righteous requirement that was due, that the law demanded for our sin. That He made a way where there was no way. He satisfied the righteous requirement for our sin. That in the cross we see, I love this, that He destroys. He destroys the power of Satan and sin. Destroys it. And it's in the cross that we see what sacrificial love truly looks like. That we see a definition of love and it is Christ being glorified on a cross. That is how we see the glory of Jesus. And in 1 John chapter 4 verse 10, written by the same disciple. So John writes the gospel of John. We also write those 
Books of the Bible, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Get my numbers right. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. 1st John is a commentary on John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. If you ever want to dig more into this passage that we're going, I encourage you to read 1st John. Because here's what he says in 1st John 4.10. It says this, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, Jesus came to make atonement for our sin. That Jesus came to satisfy the righteous requirement that our sin demanded and only He could pay it. That is why the cross is glorious. Satan, can you imagine, sees the cross and he thinks that this is victory. This is victory, but it is not. It is defeat for him. It is defeat for him. And the cross is glorious. In verse 33, Jesus says, little children, I love the compassion in his voice. He says, little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Where I'm going, you can't come. What do you mean? Because only Jesus, remember, can satisfy, can satisfy the righteous requirement demanded for our sin. Only He can go to the cross. Nobody else can go to the cross and do what only God can do for us. He's the only way. This is why in John 14, 6, which happens just minutes after what we're reading here, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. And so in light of the cross, the work of Christ is soon to be finished. But the work of the disciples and our work that we link arms in today is is beginning in this text. Verse 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And I want to read that one more time because I want it to sink in. Jesus says in verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. We also see that God is glorified in our sacrificial love For others, because love is loudest in sacrifice. It's loudest in sacrifice. In one sense, this is this is uh, this is not a new command in that the law, we have the law. All of Scripture is about one person, Christ. All of Scripture really speaks to two events, his coming and his second coming. It's all about Christ. And as you look to the Old Testament, every book of the Bible pointing to Jesus, that in the Old Testament law, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, it's called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then we also see in the law, Leviticus 19, 18 says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But what Jesus is saying is new, is He is about to teach them a whole new level. A whole new level of love. The type of love that they are going to see in his sacrificial love is a love that this world has never seen. That this is the love that he has called us to. It's a new level. It's a new understanding. Has, have any of you guys lately kind of gathered a new understanding of something? It, it's, it can be a very humbling experience. My, my, on my wrist right here, you kind of see it, is a bracelet. It's a bracelet. Uh, Ella J, I am wearing the bracelet you gave me. She, she gets on to me when I don't wear it. Uh, but my little, my little nine-year-old daughter, she I came in one day. She's like, Daddy, Daddy, come make bracelets with me. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. So, so we sit down, and she's got this thing. Uh, it's called a loom. It's called a loom. It's like a little plastic, 
plastic rectangle with little knobs and little rubber bands and a little tool and kind of like you kind of weave and you kind of make these little bracelets like this right here. And, and it took me a while, but I got the hang of it. And, and I'll be honest, I was feeling pretty good about it too. I was like, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty good at this. And then I'm sure my daughter was totally impressed with me, right? Um, and so, so we had a good time with that. Uh, but then a couple days later, it is summer, and it is a million degrees outside, so you spend a little bit more time inside than outside, and so I come in one day again, and she's like, hey, daddy, hey, daddy, look at this, and now she's not got one loom, but two looms, they're connected together with other little pieces, and she's showing me headbands she's made, she's showing me necklaces she's made, she's showing me gloves that she's made, she even had this thing wrapped around her ankle that was connected to her toes with bracelets, and I'm like, I thought I knew how to make a bracelet, but evidently I don't know. It's a whole new level. Jesus is teaching his disciples a whole new level. Jesus is teaching you and he's teaching me a whole new level of love. Because up to this point, how do you know they're a disciple of Jesus? Well, they follow Jesus everywhere he goes. They follow him everywhere he goes. They follow their disciple. But now Jesus says, I'm no longer physically going to be with you. It's for your best. I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. But now, now people are going to know you, not because you're following me. It's going to be because of the sacrificial love that you have for each other. This is how, this is how people are going to know. In verse 35, Jesus says this, by this, this sacrificial love, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Your spouse will know you are a disciple of Jesus because of this sacrificial love. Your children will know that you are a disciple of Jesus because of your sacrificial love. Your co-worker will know that you are a disciple of Jesus because of your sacrificial love. Your friends are going to know that you're a disciple because of your sacrificial love that you have. They'll all know that you're my disciples if, if you have love for one another. This community... This community will not know we are disciples of Jesus because of jewelry and, 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 and shirts and bumper stickers. And I have those and I love those and God can use those. But the truest mark, the truest mark is going to be loving people sacrificially because our world, our world doesn't see that. Our world doesn't know that. And when they see it, there is a, there is a why are you doing what you're doing? And it is, it, un, sacrificial love unlocks it unlocks opportunities for gospel conversations like nothing else. It's amazing. It's amazing. Loving sacrificially opens doors for people to the hope of the gospel. That's what it does. The, uh, Francis Schaeffer said this. He said, the church is to be a loving church in a dying culture. Sounds pretty relevant to, to our time today. That in the midst of the world, in the midst of our present dying culture, Jesus gives a right to the world. And upon His authority, He gives the right to judge whether you and I are born-again Christians of the basis of our observable love toward all Christians. He says, that's pretty frightening. <laughs> Jesus turns to the world and says, I have something to say to you. On the basis of my authority, I give you a right that you may judge whether or not an individual is a Christian on the basis of the love that He shows for all Christians. That this, this is the defining mark. May we be known. May our reputation be that of sacrificial love. And I, I, I know that you all feel the same. But I long for our church and the community that God has providentially, sovereignly seen fit. We are here. We are here to make an impact for Him. And I am, I am, I am absolutely convinced that, that our city will know. 
will know that we truly follow Christ by our sacrificial love for our community. I just believe that. I long to be a church that when there's a need, they'd be like, who are we going to call? Who are we going to call? And they'd be like, oh, no, we'll call First Baptist. They love our city. They love our city. This is how they're marked. That I'm convinced that our influence and our impact as a church in this community will hinge on our sacrificial love for our community. That I'm convinced that our community's willingness to listen to the hope of the gospel will directly be proportionate to our willingness to sacrificially love our community. I'm convinced of that. And I want to be super clear that love, when I say love, I'm not talking about affirming sin, like being okay with sin, dismissing sin, sweeping sin under the rug. I'm not talking about uh, assisting with enabling destructive lifestyles and behaviors. That's not love. I heard one quote earlier, love can be such a painful thing. It really can. But yet it's the defining mark of our lives and it opens up doors to share the hope of Jesus. And I'll be completely transparent with y'all if this is okay. Um, y'all okay with that? All right, okay. Here's what I'm convinced of. I, I, can't, I cannot even put into words, I can't articulate how humbled I am to serve as your pastor. It, it, is, a, it is a humbling, humbling reality. And, and in some ways, I, I was texting a buddy of mine this morning. He said, I'm praying for you. I said, it's getting real. <laughs> it's getting real. It's getting real. But here's what I'm convinced about. You can go on a website and you can go to our website and you can see our staff and you can see titles beside our names. But here's what I'm convinced. I will not be your pastor until you know that I sacrificially love you and I care for you and that you see that. And that 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 it is that sacrificial love that opens up the doors to know to know that you truly care. And it is in through that sacrificial love that God is glorified in that. And so here are a couple questions in light of this text that I would challenge us this morning. And the first is this, and it is the answer to this question. Is my life marked by sacrificial love? Is my life marked by sacrificial love? Now, sometimes one of the hardest things to do is be still and reflect, right? Because we got that to-do list. We got to go. We got to go. No, let's answer this question together. Is my life marked by sacrificial love? Because I'm convinced that every believer truly desires that. I do. I desire it. I want to. I struggle with selfishness. I struggle with that. I struggle, but, but I, I want to be led and yielded to the Holy Spirit. That there's that battle at times, that war that we drift from God rule into self rule. But we know we need to surrender every area of our lives as believers to the Lord. But by God's grace, would we ask him to reveal those self-ruled areas of our lives. That we would repent of those self-ruled areas of our lives. And we would walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That Does that define us? And the second question is this. Is, am I willing to allow sacrificial love to mark my life? And here's what I would say. I would say that every believer who has been redeemed and saved and made a new creation desires this. Desires this. Desires this. I want to read a passage uh, in 1 Corinthians 13. If you've been to a wedding lately, you might have heard it. <laughs> and maybe it was in your wedding or maybe you've, you're familiar with the passage. But it's, it's 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. I want to read it just briefly says this, love is patient and kind. Now, couldn't we just stop right there and just camp out on that one for the rest of the week? 
And every time we interact with others, as we think about the sacrificial love of Christ, that we would remember that love is patient, love is kind, but it continues, says, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, if you remember, I mentioned 1 John. 1 John being that, that commentary on this new command, this new level of learning about love. And listen to what 1 John 4, 8 says. You may have heard it before. God is love. So Jesus is God Himself. Jesus is love. So now what I want to do is I want to read it one more time, but I want to I substitute the name of Jesus for love. And I want us to listen to this. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on His own way. He is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but He rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You want to know what God's ultimate will is for our life? That you and I are conformed to the image of His Son. Romans 8, 29. If you're ever wondering, this is God's plan for our life. So now let's take it one step further. And here's where it's going to get convicting. Okay? If it hasn't already, join me in my conviction. Okay? So, so, so here we go. We are now going to replace love with I. We're going to replace love with I. And listen to what the Word says. I am patient and kind. I do not envy or boast. I am not arrogant or rude. I do not insist on my own way. I am not irritable or resentful. I do not rejoice at wrongdoing, but I rejoice with the truth. I bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. I need God's help. This is God's design for my life. This is God's plan for my life. It is impossible apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. And so here's how I would encourage us to practically apply this truth. To be marked by sacrificial love. For anybody who would join me this week, here's what I'm going to do. I encourage you to join in with me. And that's this, is that for the next five days that you would write this passage on an index card. And you would place it in your pocket and you would pray the scripture over your life. And that you would pray this definition of love and by God's grace that he would give you the grace and strength to honor him and do this. But I don't want us to stop there. I don't want us just to stop there. I want us to go a a step further and I want us to think of one person. I want you to focus on the one. Let's focus on the one. This is where it gets serious. This is where it gets intentional. Because we're not talking about the masses. I want you to focus on the one. I want to focus on the one. It might be a friend. It might be a coworker. It might be your boss. It might be your spouse. It might be one of your children. It might, who knows who it is. But, but here's what I encourage us to do is this. Is that we focus on the one. Is that we would commit each day of this week. That we would ask God to show us a way to show sacrificial love to that person. That we would get so focused And so saturated in the word that God would show us one way to show the sacrificial love of Jesus. And then take it one step further. One step further and that is meet that need. Meet that need. And then sit back and hang on for the ride and watch God work. Because what God does is he uses sacrificial love 
to open doors to share the hope of the gospel and to give glory to Jesus. Because what's going to happen is you pray and you focus and you act out and, 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 and here's what's going to happen. They're going to be like, why did you do this? Why in the world? Why, what made you do this? It's the power of Christ. The fact that He came not to be served but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. That Christ gave His all and my heart is to give my all so that others can know Him and watch God work. And here's what I would say. If, if, if you decide to jump on board with that and you see God work, let us know. Give us a call. Send us an email. I'd love to hear those stories. And I'd invite you to join me in that and with that and watch God work. But here's one little warning before I wrap up. Strive not to be a Peter. Okay? Because if we were to keep on reading this passage that we're in, you know what Peter says? Where are you going? <laughs> Where are you going? What do you mean I can't come? I'll give my life for you. And Christ has to humble him. And his overconfidence confidence and overzealous. And I, I'm not hating on Peter. I, I admire Peter. <laughs> Peter is a warrior for the Lord. Uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't have done the same thing. So I, I'm just saying, I, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying Peter had a, a super high overconfidence in himself. But he completely missed what just happened. <laughs> it's like Jesus says, now the Son of Man is going to be glorified. God's going to be glorified in him. And it's like he just checked out for the rest of the part. And when Christ was done talking, he was like, but where are you going? He had been preparing them all along, all along the way. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to be handed over to the scribes, to the high priest, that I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be killed and I'm going to be raised from the third day. And Peter just completely missed the fact that Jesus said, listen, he said, there's a new command that I'm teaching you. And I am, I am. I'm challenging you. They, they are going to know that you are mine because of the love that you have for one another, just as I did. And so by God's grace, what if every interaction that we had with a stranger, with somebody at the Kroger cashier's desk, we've been talking a lot with, with house loan people when you're on the phone, what if every single interaction you had, you approached as a sacrificial servant? And just loved them. And the question says, why are you doing what you're doing? And the, do the doors are open to share the love and the hope of Jesus. And so here's what I close with. There's one more question, and that's this. Have I responded to the sacri love, sacrificial love of Jesus? The, the good word, the word, the scripture, God tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And my encouragement to you is that you would be reminded, whether you're in this room or you're listening online, that you would be reminded, challenged, encouraged that God is pursuing you. And that He desires a relationship with you. And that there's to be no confusion. Jesus says, only He can go to the cross. Jesus says, He is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. He's the only way. That He loved you so much that He made a way where there was no way. And that if you are here and you would acknowledge your sin, anything you think, say, or do that hurts the heart of God, disobedience in our lives, that we would realize and acknowledge that and we would turn from sin and self. And that we would turn to King Jesus. And we would repent 
and by faith trust Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. The Bible says, but God demonstrates His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you're here today and you've never, you've never responded to the sacrificial love of Jesus, I encourage you, in this moment, don't let another moment pass. That you would humble yourselves, turn from sin and receive Christ as Lord. And He cleanses you and He forgives you. And He places the gift of the Holy Spirit inside you to do everything we can't do on our own. And He's given us a mission and He's given us a purpose. And He's given us gifts and He wants to use those gifts for His kingdom. And not only that, but He's entrusted us with this mission. And not only that, but we spend eternity with Him forever and ever and ever and ever. And by the way, Christ is the treasure of heaven. He's the treasure. So I want us to pray. And we're going to have a, a song of response. And, and, and I realize this morning we're, we're not doing come forward invitation. But, but if God is working on your heart, don't squelch that. Don't quench that. If you want to get on your knees there at the, the pew that you're at. Or, or catch up with one of our team after service. Let us pray for you. Let us encourage you. But don't let another moment pass. And may we be known by our love. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so much for this new level of love. Thank you, Father, that in that upper room, as you gathered around those disciples who you had poured yourself into, that, Father, that it was time. That it was time. That, Father, the fact that you humbled yourself, closed in flesh, you came to die. That's why you came, lived a perfect sinless life, dying on the cross for our sin. And this is love, sacrificial love. May we be marked by sacrificial love. God, may we saturate our hearts with your word. May we focus on people and not look past people. May we be sensitive to every opportunity that arises in each passing day. And that, Father, may by your strength, your power, your grace, your wisdom, God, step in and show the sacrificial love to someone around us. And then be quick to give you all of the glory. Every bit of it. Father, again, for that person who may be here and not have a relationship with you, I pray that even in this moment, the quietness, the the, the, the focus of this moment, God, just to just to just to acknowledge their need for you to repent and pray and receive you as Lord of all. God, we love you. We praise you. God, keep us sensitive, keep us humble, keep us hungry for you. And may we be known by love. In Jesus' name, amen.